Hey, Christ community, so glad you are joining us online on this Independence Day weekend. Hope you had a wonderful 4th of July celebration. Uh, today is a special day for our church in that we are restarting our in-person worship gatherings with an outdoor family-oriented service. That service is at 10 a.m. at our 15th Street campus. So if you want to join us in person and you still have time to make it, that would be great. But however you're engaging this service, we are so grateful that you are part of the Christ Community family. You know, I just want to say I am super excited about the future of our church and the things that God is calling us to pursue in this next season. COVID has not diminished our vision as a church. In fact, I think it's actually expanded our vision and the impact that we together can have. One of the things that I'm really excited about are some new groups that we're starting. One is a three-week-long Be the Bridge racial discussion group that will be starting uh, Tuesday, July 21st. Our heart is to simply provide a safe context where we as believers in Jesus can talk honestly about issues of race in our community and in our own hearts and seek God's perspective. Again, that starts July 21st. We also have a young adult group starting July 15th for post-college 20s and 30s folks who want to just connect and do fun things together. So you can find out more information about those groups and and any other groups really on our website, as well as our, our social media. Well, today we are starting a new teaching series on the book of Philippians. Uh, you know, when, when COVID hit, um, we decided to do a, a series on how to experience peace in the midst of a storm. And so we decided to focus on Philippians chapter four. Well, as that series was finishing, I thought it would be fun for us to look together at the rest of this amazing book, um, starting in chapter one. And so we're calling this series Joyful because joy is one of the key themes in this particular letter of Paul's. Even though Paul is writing from prison, he continually speaks of this experience of joy, of, of rejoicing which is an experience that I think all of us long to grow in. I want to grow in this. I mean, the other day I was, I was playing golf in this men's league and I did not play well and I uh, was kind of gripey and, and grumpy and the whole round really. And then I brought that home with me you know, the rest of the evening. And I remember thinking about that the next day, just the next morning, just in, in, in feeling my heart, this longing to be a person of joy to be a person whose attitude and, and outlook and overall vibe are not dependent upon a golf score or a social media post or the latest news or whatever. What if our joy was something that exuded in us and through us, no matter what was happening all around us? Well, the letter of Philippians provides us with some practical insights into being a person of joy. So today I want us to focus on the first two verses of this letter, which is the greeting. Um, now, I don't know about you, but typically when reading Paul's letters, I kind of skip over the greeting. Um, but if we do that, we're going to miss, we're going to miss out on one of the most amazing joy producers in our lives. So here's how the letter of Philippians begins. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So in this greeting, we see who the letter's from. It's from Paul and Timothy. And we see who the letter's to. 
That would be the church in the city of Philippi, which is a church that Paul planted in the home of a woman named Lydia when, um, when he vis- visited the city of Philippi, and Lydia had responded to the gospel. And so, so Paul planted a church in her home. Okay, so after these initial personal greetings in verse 1, Paul then says this in verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. The first word out of Paul's pen after his initial greeting is this profound, life-changing, joy-bringing, radical concept that actually differentiates Christianity from every other religion on the planet. Grace. Paul says, grace to you. He wants his friends to experience and live in the blessing of God's grace. So what is grace? Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is receiving an over-the-top blessing that you didn't earn, you didn't work for. I heard someone describe grace like this. Grace is getting to eat dessert without even touching your vegetables. Grace is putting a dent in your dad's car and having him say to you, that's okay, and giving you a bear hug. Grace is messing up the interview and and you still get the job. Grace is getting pulled over for a speeding ticket and having the police officer not only just give you a warning, but then hand you a gift card for a free donut at Winchell's. Um, Grace is stepping up to the tee box and slicing your drive 40 yards to the right of the fairway and still having a shot to the pin. See, grace is when we receive favor and blessing that we don't deserve. When we receive love that is not based on our performance, that's grace. Amazing grace. It truly is an amazing thing when you're a recipient of grace. And see, here's what Paul is saying to all of us. God is a giver of grace. Paul says, grace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a giver of undeserved favor and blessing. Every other religion, every other religion says to you, God's acceptance of you depends on how well you perform. It depends on whether or not you meet the standard, whatever that standard happens to be for that particular religion, right? If you pray enough, if you do enough good things, if you clean up your life, whatever the standard is. And that may work for a while, right? We're able to keep, up, keep the list for a period of time, but then we eventually fail. We eventually fail. We don't keep the list We wander off into some area we know God doesn't want us involved in. Our anger erupts again. Our lust surfaces again. We turn to that addiction again. We fail. We fail to keep the standard. The very religion we're trying to follow is condemning us as a failure. And we secretly wonder, could God ever love a mess up like me? Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. I mean, deep down, you feel like a total failure and you know that any love God would extend to you in that moment would be completely undeserved. Exactly. It is undeserved. God's love is still 
poured out upon you because his love is not dependent upon our performance. It is a demonstration of grace. Now, I know this, this sounds too good to be true. I mean, how is this even possible? Well, Paul tells us where this grace is found, how this is possible. He tells us right here, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God the Father gives us his grace through the work of Jesus, his son. Jesus died on the cross to pay in full the penalty for our failures and our sin and our addictions. Jesus hung naked on the cross to bear our shame. The work has already been done. Your debt has already been paid in full. His grace is there to be received. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to perfectly follow some list in order to deserve it. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is receive it. If you have never received Jesus, I urge you to receive the gift of his life and forgiveness and love. I'll give you an opportunity to do that in just a few moments. Now, if you have received Jesus, what this means is that you are free to swim in the ocean of God's grace and favor. He loves you. He delights in you. He accepts you. He is for you. All of those things are true because of Jesus. God's grace truly is an ocean that you can never reach the end of. No failure, no mistake, no repeated struggle with some area of sin, no addiction, no brokenness can ever remove you from this ocean of God's amazing grace because it's found in the work of Christ on your behalf. When he gave his life for you on the cross, it is not based on what you do. It is based on what he has already done. This grace is amazing. It is abundant, but it also, if we're honest, it also feels a bit, ris a, a bit risky because it sounds like we're saying, hey, well, then I can just do whatever I want. God loves me no matter what, so I'll just sin as much as I want. But, but, but here's what we often don't realize about God's grace. When you truly experience this undeserved love poured out for you on the cross, it changes who you are on the inside. It changes who you are on the inside. It changes your desires and longings. It gives you a new identity, which makes you want to live differently. In fact, look at how Paul addresses this church. Back to verse one, look at this. He says, to all God's holy people. Holy? I mean, really? Why is he calling them holy? They're just ordinary people like you and me. It's because when you place your faith in Jesus, God gives you a new identity. God in his grace sees you as holy. He sees you as whole. He sees you through the lens of the cross. He sees you not as a struggling, worthless sinner. No, he sees you as his beloved and holy son or daughter, which makes us want to live for him, not as a way to earn God's grace and favor, but in response to the grace and favor that are already ours. Do you see how this works? Religion says, do these things and hopefully God will accept you. Jesus says, receive my grace 
Become my beloved son or daughter and let that grace transform how you live. In the movie Les Miserables, Jean Valjean is a, an ex-prisoner on parole um, who is struggling to find work. And he ends up being welcomed into the home of a priest. He has no place to stay. So this priest welcomes him into his home. And one night, Jean Valjean decides to sneak out of his bed and steal the priest's very expensive set of silverware. So as he's stealing the silverware in the middle of the night, he makes some noise and the priest wakes up and he comes out and he sees what he's doing and, he, and, 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 he, and the priest asks him, what, what are you doing? And, and Jean Valjean strikes him and he, he, he runs away with the silverware. So very soon, of course, he's caught by the police who bring him back to the priest's home to return the silverware. But the priest says to the police that the silver was a gift. The silver was a gift and that no charges will be filed. So the police leave. And as Jean Valjean stands there in shock, he asks the priest, the priest, why are you doing this? And the priest comes up to him and he removes the hood that he had been hiding under, right? The hood that had hid his shame. The priest removes his hood and he says to him, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I have ransomed you from fear and hatred. Now I give you back to God. That's grace. Undeserved favor. And that grace changes Jean Valjean's life. In that moment, he decides to use the silver to become a new man. He starts a new life and becomes a source of rescue and help for other people. He was transformed by grace. This is what God's grace in Christ can do in us. It does way more than a list of rules can ever do. Grace changes us at the core of our being. It gives us a new identity from not enough to fully accepted from shame to beloved sons and daughters who now want to live in response to this God who has given his all for us and to us. This, this is the grace and peace that Paul talks about in his greeting, right? He says, grace and peace to you. That's his favorite greeting. He uses that all the time in his letters. It's his favorite, favorite greeting. Why? Because when we, there's a connection between the two. When we live in God's grace, we experience God's peace. We experience his wholeness. We experience his love transforming us. There is an ocean of grace available to you. It doesn't matter what your struggle is, what your secret is, what your past involves. There is an ocean of grace available for you and me to swim in. But here's the deal. A lot of us know about this grace. We, we can sing about it. We can talk about it. We can do Bible studies on it. Maybe we memorize verses about it, all of that. But we're not really swimming in it. It's like taking a vacation to the beach and never getting in the water. We, we continue to live under this cloud of shame and guilt, this burden of not enough. And I, I just want to invite all of us to wade into the ocean of God's grace found in Christ, his unmerited, undeserved, unconditional love for you. 
Your failures do not define you. Your past does not define you. Your sin does not define you. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he has unlocked the shackles of guilt and shame and condemnation that we carry. He has unlocked the shackles of fear and hatred so that we can now take those shackles off and start swimming in the ocean of God's amazing grace. Instead of believing the worn out lies of I'm not enough, I'm not acceptable, I'm not worthy of love, embrace the truth of who you are in Christ. You are his beloved son or daughter. You are completely forgiven. You are free to live in his love for you. Grace and peace to you. Let's pray together. So as I mentioned a moment ago, I just want to, I'm going to invite a couple of responses here. First of all, for those of you, maybe you have never placed your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've never even understood, heard before what I'm talking about, that, that a relationship with God is not dependent upon what you do. It's not. It's not dependent upon how often you go to church or, or what a nice person you are. It, it's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon Jesus and you're receiving the work he has done. And so if that's you, if you're out there and you want to receive Jesus, you want to receive him, you want to receive his forgiveness in his life, you want to be adopted as his son or daughter right now, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. In the silence of your heart, you can pray this prayer with me. You can pray out loud if you're comfortable doing that, but just pray along with me. Dear God, I admit that I I'm a sinner. And because of that, I am separated from you. But I don't want to be separated from you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Jesus, you died in my place. You paid the debt that I owed. Thank you. I choose to place my trust in you alone. I bring you all of my fear and failure and doubts and sin and my past and all of that. I bring all that to you. And in exchange, I receive your grace and your love. Come live in me forever through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out through the power of your grace. So, Father, I just want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them now grow in this relationship with you. And if you prayed that prayer, we would love to know about that decision and be praying for you. Just feel free to text the number on the screen right now. You can just text that number and someone will be praying for you. Now, for those of you who have already placed your trust in Christ, I want you to enter into just an attitude of prayer here. And I want to just ask this question, what would it look like for you to more fully experience God's grace? So as you're closing your eyes, you're in an attitude of prayer. I just want you to imagine God's grace is like an ocean. And you're standing on the edge of that. You're standing on the beach. You're standing on the edge of this ocean. What would it look like 
for you right now to wade into the grace of Jesus. Just acknowledge that there's a sin, there's a burden you're carrying. Just acknowledge it. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your shame. Just repent of that. Acknowledge your addiction. Whatever brokenness is, acknowledge that. Acknowledge those things. And then let Jesus love you. Let his love surround you and fill you in those places. And let him set you free to live out of this new identity, to swim in this amazing ocean of his grace and love for you. So, Father, as we are waiting in, I just I want to pray for anyone here. This is they're waiting in to this grace right now. Would you help us? Would you keep reminding us of how huge your grace is? And that that is what defines us, not our sin and our failures and all that stuff. No, we, we acknowledge those things. We bring those things to you. But your grace and love, that's what defines us. And so I pray for all of us to more and more swim in and live in the ocean of your grace. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for giving your life for us, for rising from the dead. We love you just in response to your amazing, unconditional love for us. Thank you, Lord. So now, God, as we enter into a time of worship to respond to you, set us free to do that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.